Right, well, good morning, uh, everyone. Um, I think um, the, the passage I've got today is one of those really interesting, challenging ones. We seem to get in Luke as we go through, don't we? I don't know whether you've noticed that. Um, so uh, I think we're going to have a, um, if you don't mind, I think the, the passage is going to be challenging. Um, and I will try and follow that up because that seems to be what the Lord's saying with some challenges to us all. It's certainly been very challenging to me as I've prepared it. But I am aware that if, in a way, as a beacon, perhaps for the first time for a while, coming from slightly different places, aren't we? For those that have been away at the weekend, um, and obviously we're very blessed by that, and those that weren't. So we're coming from slightly different places today. So I'm hoping that on this Pentecost day, we can then move forward together as one church together. Um, and I do pray that those that weren't at the weekend were also mightily blessed Uh, by the Lord, because that often happens, doesn't it? That actually testimonies come from those who don't go away or don't go to a conference, but in the same kind of way. So maybe there'll be some of those that can happen later in our time of worship. Um, Okay, I don't know if um, the first slide can come up. Um, So uh, I thought I would start by a little bit of church history for you. So um, in the, the catacombs, so that's the, um, oh yeah, so that's, that's my title, do not fear, question mark. Um, do not fear, question mark, because there are things we should fear as Christians, as well as things we shouldn't. I'll talk about that, a little bit more of that in a minute. Anyway, in the, in the catacombs, so these are the tunnels under Rome. There are these myriad of tunnels that have been there uh, for time immemorial. Um, and in those tunnels was where some of the early Christians lived, It's where some of the early Christians worshipped, and it's also where some of the early Christians were buried. And so you have this amazing uh, load of tunnels under there, which was really a place which was dark. It's very similar to where we are today, but that was a real centre of where God was at some of the very, very early church. Um, and on some of those, uh, when they, they buried their, their dead in these catacombs, you can see the places they, they put them, they had some inscriptions. Not many, but they had some inscriptions. thought it would be interesting just to read some of those to see what, how they were feeling, what they wanted on their tombs. So here's uh, the first one here, um, to Domitilia. Um, so it said about her, who believed in Jesus Christ, amen, together with the Father, Son, And Holy Spirit. So right at the beginning, talking about the Trinity being the centre of Christianity, but also acknowledging that it was Jesus who was important in their life. Not who they were married to, not what they did, not their work, not the number of children they had, but it was Jesus who was important to them. Um, And Jesus they put their trust in with the Son and the Holy Spirit. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's another one of these epitaphs, and this one I find quite interesting. It says this, Here I rest, free from all anxiety. What I awaited has happened. When the coming of Christ occurs, I shall rise in peace. Amazing, isn't it? That idea that even there, there's somebody who said that in their life, obviously they felt anxiety, as we all do, don't we? At times, we feel anxious, but somebody who acknowledged that, maybe it was something that was particularly important for, or somebody who really felt that was an important message that they wanted 
on their uh, epitaph. But also then saying, I shall rise in peace. There is a day when I will know no more anxiety. And so I just wanted to talk about today these kind of ideas of fear, which I suppose is linked in with anxiety, which is linked in with worry, and all things that we as Christians would say, do you know what, we know Jesus Christ, so we no longer fear anything, do we? We know him, so we're no longer anxious about anything. We know here, so we no longer have any worries whatsoever. It's not quite true, is it? But we know there's a sense in which we can put our trust in him and it should make a huge difference. And we know as our journey in our Christian life, we want to trust him more and more. Anyway, if you think that's challenging, listen to the passage today. Okay, so uh, the passage today is uh, from Luke chapter 12. It's in our um, group of sermons on Luke and it's verses 4 to 12. Just to put the context, which is obviously important, at the end of Luke 11, it says that the scribes and Pharisees were lying in wait for him, Jesus, to catch him in something he might say. So it was something that he was saying, yes, he was talking to his disciples, but there were people there trying to catch him out in what he was saying. And in the beginning of uh, chapter 12, he really is talking about the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. So a lot of what he's saying here is in the context of people that were trying to trick him and were not living in what they believed, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. So that's the context. Okay, so let's start from verse 4. I'm reading from the ESV. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And one of them is not forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbers. Fear not. You are of more value than many sparrows. And then verse 8. And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Hmm, interesting this one. And when they bring you before synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or about what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. I said it would be a challenge. It certainly is. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, we just pray as we come to this. Lord Jesus, if you said these words, they are important. And we want to learn from them. We want them to affect us, Lord Jesus, not just in our minds, but we need understanding, Lord, but in our hearts and in our actions. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you'd use my words, you'd use our attention.
attention this morning and you'd move on us by your spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to cut what I'm going to say into three sections. First of all, I'm going to look at the idea of do not fear. What we shouldn't be fearing and talking about those general fears. Number two, I'm going to look at this idea which comes in there and one or two of you have gone up, what is that talking about? About blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, which it says will not be forgiven. I don't want to spend too long on that, but I think that needs to be dealt with and then moved aside to focus on what I feel is probably the main focus of this passage, which is fearing God. Which is fearing God. Okay, so, the first one, do not fear. You will know that we have a society now that talks an awful lot about our anxieties, don't we? We talk a lot about our fears. We talk a lot about our worries. And indeed, some people sometimes define themselves about their anxieties, don't they? Their definition of who they are is not what they do, their family, what they believe in, but they define themselves about what they're worried or frightened about. That is the way they put themselves. And even you will, and I will know, there's some Christians who are often relatively defined by those things. And this passage here talks about fear, but interestingly, it doesn't talk generally about fear. What's the fear in this passage? It's the fear of persecution, the fear of violence or death, coming from being a Christian. That's what it's talking about. But what I'm going to talk about today is look at the kind of general remit of fear, how we deal with that, and then move on from there. Now, can I do that in one time? No, I can't. So there are a few things here I'm going to hint at or suggest, and you may want to do a bit more reading uh, or thinking about them. Okay, so before the slide goes up, I have done a little bit of research for you, and I've picked out the top 10 fears for, from 2019. I wonder what you think they are, the top 10 things that people fear. Now, before the slide goes up, uh, it'd be interesting, perhaps, for you to know that this was taken from a therapy stroke counselling website. And there are ideas of putting this up is so that people will use their service and give them money to do what they do. Now, I'm not saying therapy and counselling doesn't have a huge role to play. And you know and I know those that have been so blessed by that and move forward in that. But also, it's just interesting to see who puts ideas forward when we see them. Okay, so I'm going to put now the 10 up and see if you can tell me a little bit about them. <laughs> I wonder how many of those you can actually say what they are. I think the first one's not too bad. Claustrophobia, there we go. Yeah, that one of concern about small places. Say it again. Arachnophobia, yeah. I mean, I mean, when, it, when it's talking about spiders, I personally don't know if that's not an irrational fear. I quite understand that one. And in our household, I've got to be honest, I'm not always the man with spiders. 
Ah, excellent. Aerophobia, the fear of flying. Now, whether that's made up or not by this company, I don't know. But that one is there. It is true. Noises. Which one? No, it's not. Number two is the one I find most interesting, actually. I'll talk about it in a moment. Any others? Any other guesses? <laughs> a fear of a particular place. <laughs> I hope that hasn't come through on the recording. Um, but if it has, can I just say we love all the places in this part of Kent and this part of the world. It is all a great blessing. Well, rather than going through one by one, let's put up the definitions and see what you think. Um, you've got... I'll come to number two in a minute. The fear of failure is interesting. Because if somebody wanted to ask me in my weaker moments, what are my greatest fears, that's probably where I would end up. Um, fear of driving. Now, you and I will probably know somebody who... We're not talking about learner drivers. I was driving behind one yesterday and was hugely polite, can I just say, when they stalled three times when the light went green, and then it went red, and then it went green, and then it went red again. And I was very polite. But a fear of driving, I can understand for those that maybe have had a very difficult accident. I quite understand. I can, I can see that one. Um, I can actually understand the fear of flying, particularly when you think you're in a metal box up thousands of feet up in the air that somehow managed to go across. And, of course, there's a couple, of here, couple here that have been related to... Um, the recent pandemic. So you've got the fear of social interactions. Some people find that much more difficult than they ever used to. And you've also got the nosophobia. I don't know if I say that right. But the fear of disease, which I think has come considerably. Um, I was talking to somebody this week who had a fear of the uh, injections, therefore didn't have that fear of the vaccinations, but now has a fear of catching COVID. So actually, they're caught in fear in terms of their whole lifestyle. It has changed all to do with that. The one I find interesting is the trioperphobia, which is to do with circles, and it's people have concerns about particular patterns. The circle intersecting. Now, I don't quite understand that myself, but I can see that there were some signs that would concern people when they're looking at it in particular ways. It may not be how, what you would be frightened of. You may smile at me being a little bit worried about spiders. <clears throat> but, no, some people wouldn't. But, obviously, there are certain things that would be on the more irrational side rather than the rational side. That's particular for them. And it kind of makes us think as Christians, don't we? Because the passage here very, very helpfully says, do not fear. It's a statement. It's a kind of command. Don't fear. Um, verse 7 says this, why? Even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So we know that God knows everything about us and cares and loves for us. But then it says, fear not. Fear not. For you are of more value than sparrows. We've then got verse 11 and 12, um, which I'll read through. Um, oh no, verse 4. Do not fear those 
who can kill the body? Do not fear. And then verse 11 and 12, which brings in the word anxious, says, and when they bring you before the synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not be anxious. It's not try not to be anxious or trust. It's do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you should say. There's an understanding there, maybe, of what Jesus was saying here is our reliance on him needs to overcome our concern for the world. Our reliance on him, our faith in him. And I think so often that our, we kind of compartmentalize. So, well, this is my world. This is what I'm worried about. This is Jesus that I trust in. But those two don't often come together that actually we are overcoming things because of Jesus. Now, that may take time. And I know there are people that have very deep-seated reasons. But that, I feel, is what's said here. Our trust in Jesus. I don't think I can move on from this without giving one or two verses that may help you if this is you. And uh, I know that uh, with our children, as they grew up, if they were concerned about them, we'd give them a verse so they could repeat it and know it and learn it. And maybe these are things that will help you. So I'm just going to go through uh, three verses quickly uh, for you just to help. Isaiah chapter 41 verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Now, this is not just don't fear, but it's fear because I am with you. The Lord is with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hebrews 13, verse 6. So we can confidently say, confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And then the often quoted 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And it goes on to say, for fear has nothing to do with punishment. For whoever fears has not been perfected in love. There's an encouragement there, isn't it? That as we deep.